0: This is Coda Radio, episode four hundred and sixty-one, for April eleventh, twenty twenty-two. Hello, good looking, and welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. I'm sitting here in a toasty Raleigh, North Carolina. My name is Chris, and joining us from a swampy Florida. It's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello, Chris. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. And we should say, welcome back to the show, Mr. Payne. Hello, Wes. Oh, hey, boys. If I only knew the words to welcome back Cotter. (laughs) We're we're glad to have you here, Wes. And it worked out perfect, too, because we were uh, all gathered together here in Alex's bed and breakfast, also known as house. And uh, you were floating through and I said, come on, sit down. Let's do a show. Let's do a little coder, because uh, the audience has been wanting to hear from you. And it's
1: been too long
0: since I got to talk to Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So we're gathered here together today. Uh, although it looks like I was looking over the Twitter. As you know, I stalk Mike. And uh, it looks like you were having some car troubles this week.
2: Ah, yes. Once again, technology destroys a perfectly good mechanical device. Um, apparently, the computer in my car has decided that there shall be no fuel injected into my engine. <laughs> oh, no. And it decided this while I was in the car. Oh, yes. So that was a a double toe job, and I'm still waiting to double toe job. Now that sounds like we're getting explicit rating. And yes, I will. I will update the audience uh, whenever GM decides to you know do something about it. Man, oh man, that
1: sucks. That's just one of those you know wrenches in your life you never expect, and it's mm-hmm. just not easy to deal with.
0: You know, Optimus Gray in the chat room points out this might be one of the few times we do. This here Coder Radio program when we're in the same time zone. That's weird. And, you know, you have like a you have Coder is like an after lunch thing for you. Yeah. Right. And 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 for me, it's like a pre lunch thing. I'm in a totally different time space than you normally. So maybe this episode's going to be a little weird. I don't know. Or you'll be in more in sync than ever. Maybe. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Either way, I think everybody is taking a breath of uh, fresh air, a sigh of relief. Elon's not going to be on the board. I know you were looking forward to it, Mike. I really was, actually. Yeah, Actually, Mike, I agree.
2: I was so down for that, yeah.
0: Today they announced, oh, he's not going to be on the board as we record today. And there's all kinds of theories this morning as to why. Do you guys have personal pet theories as to why Elon decided not to go on the board of Twitter? Tesla
2: AI told them not to. <laughs> It steered him <laughs> right away from the board meeting. Just, I like Wes's better. Mine is dumb. I think he just realized the SEC was probably not going to put up with his shenanigans forever.
0: Hmm. I could see that. I could see that.
2: Because he, he screwed up the
0: filing too, right? So. I think too they had a little talking. Because if you read through this really strange announcement, there's two it, things that stick out. So weird. First of all, they, they mentioned like a background check. Like why do you even say that? And then the other thing they mention in here is that he has a fiduciary responsibility to limit what he says. Essentially, is what they say about the company. He'd have to kind of agree to only talk about certain things. When you're a member of the board, it limits what you can say about Twitter. And I think I think that was it. I think he's like, no way. I wonder why he hasn't done this before. Why don't Why don't Bezos and Musk and Buffett? Why don't they buy all these companies up? And, you know what? Just I guess Bezos does
1: it sometimes, right? Washington Post, at least. True. Last...
0: True. Monsters. That's a good point. All right. Well, let's move on. We got a -a boostagram in from Freak three days ago. 6,000 sats, too. So he just recently switched all over from Android to iOS. Rest in peace, Freak. And he says the one thing that's driving him crazy is he wants to slap his iDevice when it autocorrects the last word after he presses send. Android never did that, he said. That is probably the most annoying thing about iOS. I can't tell you how many times the F word has been replaced with duck after I hit the (laughs) send button. Like what the duck,
1: you know? I did I did not realize this was the thing. Now, it's been, I don't know, six years since I regularly had an iPhone, but is that is that a new development? No, it's been it's been
0: I mean they've what? They've been trying to machine learn up the autocorrect for a while, so maybe it's gotten worse. I don't know. But yeah, it's been like that for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that does stink. You poor devils. I know. I don't I don't know how we do it. I don't. We got another boost from Cos P Land. <laughs> He says, uh, okay, guys, what are your thoughts on iCloud versus NextCloud? What would be the point? And thanks for the show. It feels like two separate solutions. I don't know. You'd use NextCloud if you don't want to be on somebody else's cloud. That's it. I could also see maybe you want, um, you know, you use bits
1: and pieces. Like you might need iCloud for some of the iOS-specific backup kind of things, right? But you don't have to do it for everything. You could self-host some of the pieces you wanted in your NextCloud.
0: I could see the appeal. Like maybe Mike would want to set one up for like his team at some point. I don't know. But. Uh, most people are not using iCloud for the same stuff.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't see iCloud in, like, a work environment. I know Apple is supposedly coming out with something like that, some kind of, like, small business program, but I don't know. When I think iCloud, I still have scars from core data iCloud having to implement it and just the massive sync bugs.
0: Uh, we had several people that boosted in. Boost! Asking if they could boost us from the member feed. Which we have not set up. It's amazing they'd like to do that, but not right now. But it has us talking internally about how we could do that. The All Shows feed did just get the um, possibility to boost. I just added that before we left. Nicely done, sir. Pew, pew, pew. All right, so it looks like something's going on with T, which is a package manager that is an alternative to Brew. Harold wrote in, and I said, I thought maybe you guys would want to take a closer look at this. Did you notice that they pitched themselves as Brew 2 for Web 3? (laughs) brew two for yeah web sorry mm-hmm. sorry oh a little nauseous so there's something blockchain go- Wes, did we ever get to the bottom of what is blockchain about this new package manager you know i haven't had a chance
1: to actually try t i'm not sure let's find out though
0: i'm looking at it and i don't get it i don't i don't get it how, how much money do they raise exactly
2: oh yeah did they raise money they raise money this is not so i i think uh this is my mistake I thought this is just like a you know a successor from Brew, like mm-hmm. by the creator of uh, well Brew. It also seems to have like slightly wider ambitions. Maybe wherever you
1: develop, wherever your CI/CD runs, however you deploy your app, T
2: is there, which is you know with their eight million dollars. Oh, oh. So this is this is not this is a somewhat commercial. Which uh, is this my open core dreams coming true? <laughs> maybe. But now with a Web3 name. Yeah, of course. Well, you have <laughs> you have to get the VC to open your email somehow.
0: Hmm. Okay. So this is probably going to warrant further investigation. Yeah. $8 million. Look at this. To create a new open source software on the blockchain. Yeah, it's like, you know, for a while we were seeing everybody bake in machine learning and AI into their product description. And it's like blockchain was a fad before that. And then AI took over. And now blockchain's back again. Blockchain's back, baby. And, you know... I got to say, just for the record, like, I don't think there's a lot of strong use cases for blockchain outside a distributed ledger for a currency. Like, it's really good at that. But a lot of times when you see what they're using a blockchain for, you go, well, that could just also be a database. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like they're using blockchain because it's, like, cool and stuff. but you know blockchains are in order to be secure they're generally not very fast And if they're not very fast and they don't seem to scale what like would you would in theory want for something like a package manager yeah
1: you know they mentioned being decentralized but
0: exactly how
2: hmm. yeah don't you want your package manager to in fact be centralized somewhat so that you can trust
0: i, I think so i mean i think maybe you want both but
2: well so we've just reinvented ppas congratulations <laughs>
0: A couple of weeks ago, we, we read an email from listener Brandon, who has a big old ri- uh, Raspberry Pi cluster going on. Hooey, hooey! So he's got three Pis and a single Pi 4, and all three are powered with p- uh, power over Ethernet, which is awesome. So he's got a little switch to do that. They run Ubuntu with Ubuntu's Kubernetes K3 solution. He's got terabyte hard drives connected to them, and then he makes all of the K8 pods available via NFS. This is so cool. He said, I had a job requirement for me to learn Kubernetes very quickly in order to lead a team building and deploy and that was deploying the K workload. So he sets up this big old cluster here. He's like, it's not really a big deal, but, you know, it's kind of a fun project. And if any listeners have a few Raspberry Pis laying around, it's definitely worth a go. Also, it's been astounding to watch the show's 180 on blockchain and Web3 tech. I left the initial episode from last year feeling pretty unhappy about the general sentiment on the show. So it's been good to see a more nuanced take on the tech. The state of the tech and the politics is intersecting, and it's actually been pretty piss poor lately. So it's nice to see some people with big ideas trying to create a better future, regardless of how it goes or if it's likely planned to go. Anyways, thanks for the show, Brandon. Well, there you go. We got a lot of for talking about blockchain stuff. We got a lot of for that. We had, we had some good positive
1: feedback, too. You know, I also like in that feedback that uh, you hear a lot, kind of just the blasé statement that, yeah, Raspberry Pis are great to learn on and all this. But it's just neat to see you really can use, like, some just cheapo devices you have at home to set up a cluster that actually helps you in a work environment. Yeah, it's not exactly the same, but you learn a lot of really useful skills.
0: You can put SUSE on there. Put SUSE on there. She could put OpenSUSE on there. Or, uh,
1: or, or NexOS, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or Ubuntu. All right, last email comes in. Now, here's the thing. Well, this is a thing we're going to have to deal with as a show, but we're going to get through this together. Okay. We're going to get through this together. Five is leading a manhunt. So, at the meetup this week, Mike was unable to attend, and there began a contingent that broke off that sort of has created this conspiracy bacon that's completely ridiculous that Mike and I are the same person, and Mike is just a voice that I'm doing. So, I mean, that's absolutely crazy. But Five writes in, he says, You know, I flew all the way from Minneapolis to talk to Mike about the only real macOS that I would ever think of compiling Objective-C on. Next step. That's
2: a bold, <laughs> bold statement, sir. Bold.
0: <laughs> but he said, You know what? Chris got to find out I'm not a jerk in real life, just a digital space. Also, he pointed out that the super spreader tent was uh, great, but wasn't the same without our famous Floridian. So one of the things Alex did is he brought a tent where we put like name tags and a book. Where is that damn book?
1: That is a very good question.
0: We had over 100 people, around 100 people show up. And a good turnout of coder fans, that's for sure. Definitely. Definitely. I think there's plotting to go down to Florida now. I mean, Ooh, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't I didn't tell them to go for it, but I they, you know like I said this group just sort of broke off on their own. We tried to control them.
2: Well, you know, you can always, like, hire an actor just when you're doing this voice, right? So
0: that... That's true. I think it worked out for the best, though. Because, you know, I was a little... I was, like, thinking, do I need to, like, wear a mask? Like, how do I make sure that we don't meet at this meetup? Because I don't want to mess with the show. And so we've punted that problem one more time.
2: You know, I was going to go. I was going to come dressed in a robe, <laughs> but with just, you know, a Spaceballs-style Vader helmet on.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. It's funny you say that. A Vader helmet was recommended to me by someone else. But I was worried about it getting real hot in that Vader helmet. You know, and you got to really commit to
2: that. Yeah, I'm in Florida. We define hot slightly differently. True. True.
1: Yeah, Mike's sticky already. It won't change
2: anything. (laughs) You know, I got an email mentioning next step. So, you know, it's a little sticky already. Right. It's already a
0: little Mm. sticky. Uh, We had, uh, of course, some local folks show up. We had from Virginia. We had from Pennsylvania, New York, D.C., Florida, Canada, people came from all around. It was really great. I think we're going to do it again. Here's an obvious statement in retrospect. There's actually a lot of tech business in Raleigh.
2: Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah.
0: I didn't realize
1: it. I knew Red Hat was here. Kind of a a sleeper. You know. You don't hear about it all the way out on the West Coast necessarily.
2: You Northern Westerners, whatever you are, you got to come down, Dixie. We're
1: blinded by San Francisco and the glittering lights of New York City. And
2: Seattle. Is Seattle closer to
1: you?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We have to. We have to stare at the Amazon and Microsoft folks all the time. Oh.
2: Speaking of Darth
0: Vader, Darth Balmer. And I guess Apple's opening up an office here now. So there's going to be an Apple Raleigh office. And then because we're near Virginia, we got you know mm, the government crowd. Mm-hmm. We got some government people coming down too. But that's great. We we accept all types. So I think we're going to do it again. I think I don't know when, but we'll do it again at some point in the future. So if you didn't make it out, don't worry.
1: We'll do it again. See, you're just going to roll the dice one more time. Mike's got another chance to see your smile and
2: face. To redeem myself and hand out, I am ordering uh, DVDs of Snow Leopard
0: for everybody. <laughs> Linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 and 60 day credit on a new account, and you go there to support the show. Linode is fast and reliable cloud hosting you got to try it for your next project, for the next thing you deploy. It's what I use for everything I've built in the last two and a half years. Especially now that Linode's been rolling out these MVME PCI drives. I didn't realize it, but like one of my boxes, I can just click a button and upgrade it. It kind of depends on my location. Uh, And and another one of my boxes I've already upgraded. (laughs) I love it when things get faster. I've recently been using Linode's tools to help troubleshoot and manage our super in-demand matrix server for our community right now. And it's so, so slick to have these dashboards they give you. They're not like overly complicated, and they have really sensible thresholds you can set for alerting, so I know when something's going on. And, you know, for this trip, I went in there and I just boosted that system up. I made it a monster. I have a 48-core Linode box right now. And if you're a performance hound, you're going to love Linode. But if you need it for something simple like a portfolio, maybe a simple GitLab, I don't know, maybe a photo gallery, they have like $5 Linodes that are rock solid and still come with the same great support that the 48 core rigs have. That's what Linode is known for. is fantastic support, fantastic performance, and really sticking to the core product and just making it better and better and better. And with 11 data centers around the world, you're going to find something near you or your customers. And since they've been doing this for 19 years, I can guarantee you they're just really in a groove. They're not trying these crazy VC-backed ideas and things like that. They're iterating on a product that works and has millions of customers around the world. And they have great features like built-in cloud firewall. Their object storage is super useful. They have VLAN support. Of course, they have advanced DNS support, really powerful Kubernetes and Terraform support, super fast networking, bare metal servers if that's the way you want to go, and a new database as a service, I guess. (laughs) It seems like it has a lot of potential. And of course, they wrap it all up with an easy to use, powerful cloud dashboard. Man, there's so many reasons we use Linode, but I think you'll find something that fits for you. You'll see why. And with pricing 30 to 50% cheaper, I think you're going to be happy to stick around. So go get that $100 and try it out. See what we've been talking about. See why we stuck with it for so long. And we love promoting them on our shows. Linode.com slash coder. Go get that $100 and enjoy it. And let us know what you think. Linode.com slash coder so we were just kind of casually talking about the warp terminal a few episodes ago and we're seeing i think a wave of quote-unquote developer focused tools get a ton of funding and warp has raised 23 million dollars Pinky's up million did you see this coming I, I mean 23 million for a terminal
2: yeah kind of right I knew it was going to be a lot. If you look at the way they're, they've they been recruiting and uh, Zach Lloyd, kind of his background, head of, I think it was like head of development or head of product at Google Drive. Mm. Or, I'm sorry, Google Docs. Although isn't that Google Drive now? I have no
0: idea. Yeah, nobody does.
2: Uh, well, I'm on the, yeah, I'm on the Google uh, work plan and they just keep renaming stuff on me just to screw with me, I think. so. Yeah. Hey, would you
1: like them to include a little chat in there oh, too? That would be great. A separate, a new one yeah. that doesn't
2: connect. No, I don't need another chat. God damn it, Gchat was fine.
1: It really was. It, it was, was totally fine.
2: It was nice. Like uh, Slack is doing the same stuff, by the way. Let's add every feature we can think of, slow the thing down to the point where you get notifications on all your devices because we can't synchronize anymore. Uh, what were we talking about? Sorry.
0: Well, we were talking a little bit about uh, Zach Lloyd. You know, he's been grinding away at, at stuff like this for 20 years, so maybe it's kind of nice that he finally got a, a big break. I mean, I don't know how he's done previous to this. but
2: uh, Very well. He was... Uh, monkey muck at Google oh yeah fair enough fair enough
0: it's interesting
2: because they've been doing a lot of the rounds uh warp in particular they they keep suggesting that like one day the terminal could be open sourced right warp terminal and I've I've been using it day to day and I've been getting the updates it definitely looks like they're I'm sure they would phrase it differently, but they're they're looking to go towards a cloud-first development environment. Like I would not be shocked if there was just like a terminal.warp.com, enter your username and that's your terminal. Because mm-hmm. the the whole thing is uh it, it is Rust native. Is it Rust or Go? I think it's Rust, right? Yeah, I believe it is Rust. It is Rust. But it's also partially built using stuff from Alacrity, which is interesting. They're kind of value add is one, they they treat the terminal, the graphics a little differently. So you can do kind of the GUI copy paste stuff easier than you might in like let's say back terminal or G terminal. But they're they're pushing pretty aggressively on this. Like you 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 can synchronize your SSH session with a homie and like that's how you can do onboarding for people, right? Setting up toolchain with them. Uh, a lot of cloud first kind of your settings can live in the cloud. You for instance, you have to log in with GitHub which I know uh, when this TechCrunch article came out, kind of the first time they've gotten like a real lot of attention. <laughs> the good old boys at Hacker News, we're not super thrilled to get the login prompt, which I completely understand. Login
1: to my terminal?
2: Yeah, you know, legit, it's it, it's the <laughs> GitHub. It's literally a GitHub OAuth prompt. I don't like that either. So for my freedom-loving hippies, except you have to be on Mac because for some reason everybody's doing this all on Mac first, there's fig. Fig.io. All fig is is context aware auto completion.
0: Oh yes,
2: of your particular tooling. Now they have some; they support like npm, uh, Kubernetes stuff like that. But I can tell you that I cannot spell the minute I type an npm because I I hate it. And I am actually going to try this on. Uh, well, it'll work. It works with Hyper Terminal, the Mac Terminal, obviously Alacrity, and a, and a few others. Take a look. This is. One, a th- theoretically, this works on Linux if you're using Alacrity. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a Google terminal available. They also have a way to just add it directly into Shell, Fish, or Bash if you don't like have one of the fancy-pants terminals that they support. Additionally, it works in the VS Code terminal and the JetBrains terminals if you live in those IDEs. Wow
0: that's really cool this is so it's fig fig.io I,
1: I'm, I'm kind of impressed mike seems to know more i've actually been using this a little bit at work in my day-to-day playing with it but i haven't i haven't gone that deep i didn't realize they had fancy terminal integration i've just been using it like a you know plain old regular person in iterm
2: oh so so super cool how do, how are you finding it
1: I, I like it a lot you know i haven't i haven't like written any of my own completions or gone gone super deep into it but for just you know running around in the terminal Doing regular Git operations, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's pretty handy, and it's not. I have not found it intrusive at all. Like, there's never been any of those times where I wanted it to just disappear. It's just kind of an optional
0: extra. All right, that's a nice one. And is it open source? Is it uh, commercial? Uh, it's MIT licensed. It looks like.
2: Yeah, but I there's some there there is like some investment. I I believe that Y Combinator backed it.
1: Yeah, it seems like they have two point four million in funding. Maybe
2: there you go. Oh, I'm the one who wrote the note. That's why I don't even remember. Yeah, but so this is kind of, we've been talking about these tooling things and I've been like bitching that people are mean to me because I want to do something open core. And I feel like somehow under the radar, a bunch of people have gotten together and like, we're going to do terminal stuff and we're going to basically make it open core.
0: And are they just mm. not saying open core?
2: No, they're just not using the word, right? They're saying free for individuals, which is the same damn thing.
1: Interesting. Also, it's kind of nice to see stuff focused on the terminal. Like, yeah, IDEs have been such a dominant, which which is fine, but text editors, mm-hmm, you know, and and they're I think they're you know they both kind of give you access to different things. IDEs, you get this big smorgasbord of all kinds of options, and it really is like the you know epitome of a big GUI app. But there are times where the terminal style of workflow is better. So if you can get some of the kind of like. Static analysis, semantic stuff, aware of your environment stuff you come to expect from an IDE in the terminal? Heck yes. Win-win. Plus, there's devs that grew up with, like, fancy IDEs that, you know, they might kind of... A terminal might seem old if we
0: don't sort of backport some of that stuff over there. Yes. That's a good point. It's definitely the season for developer tooling to make money. March 31st, Docker announced they raised a Series C of $105 million. And when you go through it, of course, it's Bain Capital Ventures, of course. What up, Mitt? Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't even really get very specific why they did it. Their whole reasoning seems to be, well, uh, we think the developer ecosystem is going to continue to grow like crazy. We expect that uh, this particular market, the Docker address, is going to 4X over the next year. And so we're going to put money into Docker, even though they don't seem to really have a solid plan or we're not really even sure how these returns are going to work. But this, this market's growing. 105 mil is nothing to sneeze at. Not at all.
2: I'll jump the gun on you, but you know what I've been using in production, and I didn't even know they were sponsoring the show until last week. Tail scale. That's right. Tail scale is awesome, isn't it? It's beautiful. We can have a bunch of very precariously tied to something Raspberry Pis that have a 5G connection, and you can make sure they're still alive. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and they're all in that flat network. That's right. I mean, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Right now, the machine I'm sitting at is connected back to the studio over TailScale. It's so freaking great. But this is a real, this is a genuine endorsement right there. In fact, why don't, why don't we talk about TailScale? TailScale.com slash coder. Oh, let's go outside and enjoy the day in the sun. Come on, doggy. I got Archie with me here and we're in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm preparing the show out here in the sunshine. How nice is that? And I'm using TailScale to do it. I thought, what a great opportunity to talk about how useful TailScale is. It's super quick to get started. Just a couple of minutes, you'll install it on any OS. I have it on my mobile devices. I have it on my Linux boxes, Arm and x86. I have it on my VPS servers. And really before the trip, one of the things I did to prepare was I got TailScale set up on the last couple of devices that I didn't have it on. Now, I'm gonna sit out here in the sunshine and thanks to TailScale, I'm gonna enjoy some vitamin D while I prepare the show. So this is a little bit of out of time ad read, I suppose. But it just seemed like, what a great opportunity to really demonstrate the power of TailScale. Because say I need to get to the booths or I need to get to our notes system. You need the kind of like web dashboards. You know what I'm talking about. You got tons of these things behind firewalls. And I got some apps on Linode. I got some apps on my LAN. I got some apps on a VM sitting on my box back at the studio. TailScale brings it all together in one flat VPN and they use WireGuard's noise protocol to make sure it's super secure and they support any single sign on system. You might already have, which means if you want to use two factor, that's going to work too. And personally, I use it to help with my friends and family. Like uh, for example, I have it on my son's computer. If he has any problems while I'm out here, I just SSH into his machine and take care of it because all of my systems have a static IP address on a flat wire guard protected network that I set up on each machine in like two minutes. It's really nice to have that peace of mind while I'm traveling and just pull that stuff up like I'm sitting on the land, regardless of where that machine's at, and I know it's safe with TailScale. So go support the show and try it up to 20 devices for free. Get started by going to TailScale.com slash coder. Wouldn't you like to work out in the sunshine? TailScale can help make that possible. TailScale.com slash coder. So you got an email this week from Apple saying that reader apps can now add links for account signups outside the app store. So, like, for example, Netflix can provide a link that goes directly to the Netflix website for account signups, which means you could sign up using Netflix's payment system, not Apple's payment system. What the hell is going on?
2: Is it actually that you can process the payment without Apple getting the cut, though? I didn't think that was right.
0: How can they stop you?
2: Oh, uh, I think you're required to report it.
0: Oh, okay, I could see that. I could see that that like I have limits on what you're allowed to do, and they would probably check it in app review, wouldn't they?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's it's that you can have the sign up form be on your website, but you can't actually not pay them.
0: Okay, I just found the language. So the external link account entitlement must provide the reader content must not, offer in-app purchases, and must not offer real-time person-to-person services. Yeah, okay. I see. So, they. no wonder why they're letting this happen. So, basically, they're letting you link out to your website to read about it and manage your account, maybe, but not pay for things.
2: Yeah, maybe, like, account, I don't know. Well, no, it, it says specifically says sign-up, so it's not even like, hey, there's something wrong with my account. And real-time service, wouldn't that include, like, Something weird is going out with my Netflix account. So you can't even do the chat stuff, right? You can't even do like the help me, Howard, right? Like, wow, just literally just filling up a sign-up form. What a fun loophole, you know, or like a set of, of
0: hoops you just have to jump through.
2: It's weird to me how this got covered because it was in bold on like most of the tech sites, but it, it's nothing.
0: Yeah, it really is nothing. It's a big nothing burger. I think we should just move on. All right. There's also this story that I just wanted to kind of clarify on a little bit here. This is a situation, but uh, it seems Apple, as well as a few other companies, were essentially socially engineered into providing private customer data. Uh, Meta was also targeted in this. And the reason that they were all got is because the cybercrime group used legitimate law enforcement mail addresses. Mm. They compromised legitimate mail accounts and then send emails from those legitimate accounts asking for the information, domain was legitimate, you know. And if you've only interacted with these, you know, it's a request that comes from the email, right? There's really no way to avoid this kind of stuff unless unless we get more serious about identity verification with email or we get more serious about these companies not holding this data. There's just no other way around it. Yeah, at, at the kind of scale that we have, right? It's just these, these events keep happening. And they're not interested in having less data. Well, no, of course not. That doesn't behoove them as a services company, so.
2: And I'm sure I'm sure if they don't comply quickly enough, they're open to all kinds of liability from the government, so.
0: So, uh, Wes, you are 100% remote work? Yes, I am. And is that staying that way? It is, yeah. Well, Eric Schmidt thinks you're an idiot. He says you Damn. don't build a great management team virtually, so you're never going to be management material ah. with your work from home shenanigans. Dang it. He says, this is a quote from the former CEO of Googs. He says, quote, it's, an, it's important that these people be at the office, in my view. I, it may be true I'm a traditionalist, he adds. Yeah, maybe. But um, uh, I think he might be right. I almost kind of think he might be right. Like, how do you build a strong team, a leadership team, when you're all remote? Um, in fact... Isn't the fact that we're all sitting here in this house right now together kind of indicative of that even though we're all remote, we find it necessary to come together? Well, I think it, it might just be sort of a spectrum of, of how often and what that means, right? I mean, his thought, his, uh, his end of the spectrum is butt in your seat every day. That's his spectrum.
1: Yeah. You see, so it seems like yes, right? Probably, especially for highly coordinating individuals who need to have a lot of dense networks across the organization, that, that kind of... You know, that kind of FaceTime is important, but there's a lot of different roles in management. And so you may be doing cross-department teams, but a lot of your management may just be you need to be available on those Zoom
0: calls to help help the teams that you're helping out. Mike, uh, Schmidt says it's not just uh, the practicals about working together in person, but sometimes it's about instilling professionalism in your team. Schmidt says that when he started at Google, for example, he, quote, had an awful lot of college students who are behaving as though the workplace was like a college. He goes on to say, quote, and I used to say to them, this is not a college. This is a professional thing. You can't do that. And or it might be illegal. So please stop now. And he says this is particularly important for your employees that are in the ages of 25 to 35. They just can't be trusted to work from home and not do dumb things.
2: Uh, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings on this. I, I am much less bullish on full remote work than I used to be. But I don't know. It seems like one of those things that's nice if you're Google, right? And you have, like, you know, the awesome offices, lots of money. You pay people super well, way above average. And I, I, I feel like it's almost not a, a relevant debate for, like, small businesses. Because this is an argument that's this this is just done right this is a, a race that's been run you basically have to offer remote work now specifically hiring uh developers if you're in a anywhere competitive right because you know what it's it's just a super hard hiring market right now
1: i think we maybe also you know as you're saying there, like the, the size of the business what you're doing the the type of team you have all seems like it matters you know i agree there are times like right now at the sprint, right? Like we can get a lot done. We have a lot of high bandwidth, but working with the JB crew is like, they're some of the best people i have ever done like professional work with. We, we we knit really well. We all have similar temperaments. We get along great, right? That is not what I think the normal average experience, right? Like you meet a lot of people in the office. They're fine people. You're not against them, but they're not, they're not your friends. You might not even like have a good vibe with them. And is that like, that's not the, the magic synergies that all these execs keep talking about. I just don't think... Right? Like, maybe one out of a
0: hundred interactions is like that? Yeah. Less? So, Schmidt says it's not a big business versus small business thing. What Schmidt says, mm-hmm. he says, it is science. It is 30 to 40 years of workplace experience that has shown us that humans are inherently social. And he goes on to say that the current virtual tools are not the same as the informal networks that occur within a corporation or a business... And so if you can't be in person together, you're just not going to be as competitive. Doesn't matter on your size, he says. Doesn't matter if you have 25 employees or 35,000 employees, is what he says. It's an
1: interesting theory, I suppose. It, the market's going to validate it one way or another, right? Like yeah. If, if you can be more competitive just by having an office.
0: I feel like what Mike is kind of saying in a way, it's like Schmidt's sitting in a an awful position of privilege, right? right. Like easy for Schmidt to say he is. You know, they have the they have the ability to fly people in and move them if they don't work in the area. That kind of stuff. But yeah, for many folks, probably they might have, you know, and folks in our audience,
2: they might already have nicer home working setups than they're going to get in an office. I think if you're going to realistically have an office for, you know, highly talented tech people, you're going to have to push towards that, like make the office awesome, for lack of a better term.
0: The whole cafeteria thing, the laundry on site. I'm going to need a hammock desk.
2: <laughs> hammock desk, you know, uh, Sousa memorabilia everywhere. It's the stuff you need.
0: When I was at Dell's Austin office, they had several huge cafeterias with great food, but they also had an on-site doctor. So if you wanted to go see a doctor about something, you could go down into the cafeteria area in one of the main buildings there, in the main building, and see the doctor right there at work. And, you know, for a small business guy who doesn't even have medical insurance, that was like such a trip to think, like, I could go to the—I could go to work— and not only can I do my laundry and do my get my eating done and, you know, eat my three meals a day or whatever, but I can also see the doctor all on the same campus. It's mind blowing. It's both crazy convenient and also like a weird, you
1: know, it's, it, it, it's almost close to being back paid the sort of, you know, company money again.
0: Anyways, we'll wrap it up in there. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes because this is something that I care a lot about, but it's not relevant to the show in any way. Maybe somebody out there cares, though. There is some research that has been published on the 12th, and it sh- it says that loud road and air traffic has been linked to greater risk of high blood pressure, heart attacks, and strokes. And scientists are u- uncovering new details about how what you are hearing and how it can stress your cardiovascular system. How about that? So I'm going to leave it on the show notes because that's probably kind of spooky, but I'm a big proponent of thinking about... Uh, noise pollution when you're building an office or a home or something like that. Oh, you don't say professional podcaster. Right, I know, I know. And I feel like it's something people just ignore. So I'm advocating for it. Uh, Anyways, I think that's it. Anything else we want to cover, gentlemen, before we wrap it up today? Mr. Dominic, is there anything else you want to talk about?
2: No, good to hear from you again, Wes. Enjoy the work from home. That's a a big change. Mm, Indeed, thank you, sir. And yeah, nice to hear your
1: wonderful
0: voice. Wes and I get on a plane tomorrow. And fly back to Seattle. Back to the sky in our fart tube. Yep, and hopefully it's nice and pleasant. Although today it's going to be like 80 degrees here. It's a
1: beautiful day here in Raleigh. And then what do we, we maybe talked about doing a land the morning after we get back
0: because we're just that crazy. (laughs) No rest for us. I also have a meeting scheduled for that morning, but it'll be over pretty quick. It's going to be a busy getting back kind of a thing. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff I got to follow up on. This is one of those trips where, I'm coming back with a big list. You,
1: you hit pause on your life. You go do, you know, to go take care of some things. And then, oh, yeah, it it, it
0: all got worse. And went, it's waiting for you to get back. Mm-hmm. Also, thank you to our members, CoderQA.co. New Coderly is coming soon. You also get access to the show's limited ad feed. And you support the show. And it's just a great way to do that. You can also support all of the network shows and get access to all of the special features at Jupiter.party. Join the party at jupiter.party. And support them all, Mr. Dominic. Where should we send people this week to find you? At
1: Tumanuku on Twitter. He may also be broken down on the side of the road, so look out, Floridians.
2: Yes, yes, yes. If you, yeah, that's <laughs> more likely than not these days.
0: Keep an eye out for Mike's broken down car and say hi. Maybe give him a beverage or something like that. Uh, what about us? Is there anywhere you want people to find you? Well, yeah. Uh, hey, look out for a new Linux action news in your feed sometime soon. That's right. If we survive back to Seattle, it'll be there linuxactionnews.com this year podcast is at Coder Radio Show on Twitter and our contact page we'd love to get your feedback that's a big part of our show your thoughts your comments your responses Coder.show slash contact go there and let us know what you think links to what we talked about today those are at Coder.show slash 461 you can get links to all that as well as our RSS feed that contact page pretty awesome and then this here live stream 3pm eastern noon pacific I'm flipping it this time at jblive.tv, or you can just like subscribe to the Twitch thing and then just get it automatically at twitch.tv slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Anyways, thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coda Radio program. See you right back here next week.